everybody. Welcome into A Tribe Called Dad. My name is DJ Hoppa. It is such a pleasure to have you with us on this latest episode of A Tribe Called Dad. Uh, we sit down and chat with an old friend of mine, Mike Diaz, who works at the intersection of pro audio and consumer electronics. Uh, he's actually the VP of sales for Earthworks Audio and the executive director for the In-Ear Monitor International Trade Organization. And for fun, he writes and speaks about what entertainers can teach executives and why nobody likes networking. But above all else, Mike is a devoted husband and father uh, to Nisa, who is 13 at the time of this recording, and to his stepson, Christian, who is 29. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Mike Diaz. My main man, oh Mike, so good to see you, man. It's been way too long. This it Zoom has been way up. too long, and you look fantastic. Thank you for having me on here. Oh man, man, my pleasure. You're 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 the perfect person to be on here, and I I love that you sent me a text, and you know that you had this moment of imposter syndrome as a dad. Because <laughs> it's like, wait, am I good enough as a dad? Do I qualify to be on a dad podcast? It's like I saw your other guests. They got books. They got <laughs> hey, credentials. All I've I've just got a daughter. Uh, no, what? First of all, you're way underselling yourself. But like, yes, I mean, look, you. There's so much that you and I can talk about. You and I remember so. Just for some context for anybody uh, joining us here, Mike and I are, are friends in real life. Um, you know, we actually met through the industry, through the music industry, pro audio industry and whatnot. And then I just remember, man, I remember you and I going to lunch and, you know, going to, you know, in that little uh, area or whatever that's, you know, those like corporate lunch places or whatever. And I remember you and I going to a lunch and I remember thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, uh, this is going to be a friend for, for a long time. Like he, he and I are on the same wavelength and outside of work stuff, like he and I are, are on the same wavelength. And you were mentioning to me, even some choices you were making as a husband, as a father. And I remember thinking like, wow, like you are really prioritizing your family. And I just, it really left an impression on me, man, because I think even at that time, I don't even think I had kids yet. Um, or I or maybe had one at that point, but it was very early on in fatherhood. I don't think so. I, I, yeah. I think it was just the two of you and you were, it was just starting. Cause I remember when you shared the, the news of your family expanding. Yeah, man. And so I just, I just want you to know you are, you are a father hero to me. I, I definitely like, man, I, Ooh. I look at the moves that you've <laughs> made in your career and the fact that you have made choices not just about how can I get ahead in my own career, but how does this also resonate and make sense for my family? Can you talk about that a little bit? Because you, you actually, the transition that we're talking about required you moving, like physically moving your family. Yeah, I, I'm happy to talk about that, but it's going to come off a little harsh because at the end of the day, I'm a thoroughbred who likes to run and work and career is incredibly important to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a struggle, man. I don't want to, I, I appreciate the tee up and that feels great to hear, 
But the inner dialogue is a lot harder. And the inner monologue is not as smooth as the outward appearance may be. Mm. Right? And so, first of all, all the real credit goes to my wife. And that's something we got to talk about in a second. Because if we're going to talk about being a dad, then we have to talk about being in partnership. Right? Because the two go hand in hand. If we're going to talk about kids, we got to take a step back and talk about the much bigger picture. But- if it was up to me, if I didn't have my counterweight, my balance, my guiding light, I would lose myself much more into work. It's it, it, and I don't oh, so good. Yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with that, but I think that's something that everybody can relate to. Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's something that when we think about fatherhood and we think about it in isolation and granted, like I know there's also single dads that tune into this podcast. Um, there are, you know, dads of all different varieties that tune into this podcast. And, you know, I think it really is important to recognize that partnership is key in raising kids. Now yeah. we're not just talking about marriage. You know, I think no. like Marriage is, is obviously one way that you can be in partnership, but there's all sorts of other ways that you can be in partnership. And, you know, families look different these days, you know, than, than they did back in the day. And I do believe that the, the one constant, though, is raising a kid completely solo on your own is really, really challenging and is, is something that doesn't create balance. Yeah. It, it doesn't. And, and thank you for, for filling in the blanks there. And I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to talk about my wife as my partner. But please, when I say partnership, that includes all ways of thinking about that. And when you make the conscious decision, if it's not working, if you already were in, in marriage, or if you never coupled and you make those decisions, you are still co-piloting in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Like people are in each other's spheres and lives. And so this is a hard way to get your head around this, but man, your decisions are 20 plus year decisions. Like yeah. you don't get an easy button on this. You don't get an easy way. Hitting the nuclear is not an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Although at the same time, I think like there should be, um, there is grace there. You know, there mm -hmm. is the ability, ability to pivot as well. And I think sometimes we do put a lot of pressure on some of those decisions and we recognize like, oh man, like this is going to change the trajectory of everything. And I think, um, I do want to also make sure that people recognize that like, yes, this does, and this has that type of impact, but every day you get an opportunity to show up. Every day you get an opportunity to continue to write that narrative, and it, it's, it's not done, and today is that new day. And so if there's anybody that's out there that feels like you, you've made a mistake, um, join the club. <laughs> You're in the right place. Every, what a great way to say it, man. Every day is, is where you start from. It's so good, man. It's so good. And I feel like, you know, to me, the the decision that I was referring to that you had let me know about was, you know, there was an opportunity for you to stay where you were at and continue to hit the grind. And, but yet you realized that that wasn't the right decision for your family. And therefore, that wasn't the right decision for you. And sometimes we stop at this is this is the right decision for me. And 
because it's the right decision for me and because it's going to be financially beneficial, because it's going to create stability um, from a financial perspective, then therefore that's the right decision for my family. And I do just want to like get into that a little bit. Yeah. And, and again, this is what I mean about the challenge of it. That decision almost broke my family apart. It's I'm a provider. Like I, I may be mm -hmm. older and more gendered, but the way that I'm wired, like that's kind of to me, a big part of how I define being a dad is providing that security and safety and, and comfort for my family. And we're not talking a little job. I was an executive at a major multinational corporation and to give that up and to give up all the stock options and benefits and everything that mm. went along with that, mm. that to move out into the rural woods of New Hampshire, <laughs> that was not a, a, an easy decision. And I, I, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, it wasn't even a choice that I made. It was a choice that my wife made for us that I got to go along with mm. or not. Mm. And going back to what matters most. And, and again, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking about work and career and I, I don't mean in any way, sh shape or form to negate the, the joy and love that is my daughter. Right. But I just want to be really honest to your audience. That yeah. It's not about sugarcoating. These things are really multidimensional. Right. And so the desire to be with my family and my daughter particularly mm. outweighed all other choices at the end of it yeah. and, and jump to the punchline. My wife gets a, a trophy for being able to see the future and everything worked out. If, if I had a magic wand, I wouldn't change a, a thing right now. Like, right. It couldn't be any better. Right. Right. Yeah, man. I remember, I remember, I remember us sitting there. <coughs> I remember you being really distraught about not being able to be in the presence of your family. I remember, I remember yeah. you, I remember feeling that energy from you. And then I remember getting, you know, a text message from you when, when you were able to reunite with your family and like the joy that that brought you. And that was, that was some of what I was, you know, sort of referring to is just like how impactful that was. And yeah, sure. You know, I, I give your wife, I give your wife credit for that too. At the same time, like there's so many men though, that would maybe fight that and fight that hard and maybe override that decision. Yeah. Um, and you know, and we see this, you know, it's unfortunate, but we see this happen on a, on a regular basis. It's really tricky, man. And I, I, I got lucky and I don't want to say that I have the answer, but I, I think I just got lucky, but what really matters to me. And again, all that stuff about work and not to minimize that, that there, there is a tremendous amount of importance to being able to provide and support. But at the end of the day, the root is provide and support who and why. And, and so if we go right down to there, without a doubt, like my daughter is the driving force of, of what I do mm. and why I manifest. And if I layer on a part of this, I get to be a leading example by my actions. And if we layer on even right to the root of it, not only am I an example, but I am the primary caregiver and a male figure that she will imprint to. And the choices that she will make mm. and the partner that she will pick yes. 
yes. have to do with the person that I am, the person that I am by myself and the person that I am in partnership with, with my family unit, yep. how we all get along and what we do. That's heavy if you think about that. In fact, it's <laughs> if you think about it, it's too heavy to pick up. Right, right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're also a product. We're all a product of of our upbringing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like that's the reality of it. And I believe that that's why this work that, you know, I'm so excited about that we're doing with a tribe called dad and, you know, what we're doing here and these conversations are so important to me because this is shifting the generation to come. Like when yeah. we talk about the role of a father and we talk about it and we break this down and it, it's not just let me do what my dad did because I'm just following that line without really doing this consciously. Or, you know, we have the reverse sometimes where, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I never, I didn't grow up with a dad. I didn't grow up with a dad around. So I'm just kind of making this thing up as I go. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what's happening. All I know is culture is telling me that a good father is somebody who provides financially for their family. And that's yeah. what I'm going off of. You know, and, yeah. and so, yeah, I think it's, it is, it's a big responsibility. It's a heavy, uh, weight to lift. And I'm just happy that we're lifting it in, in, um, in community here that we're lifting it together and that we're lifting each other up in this. I, I got to tell you, looking at what you're doing and looking at your guests and listening to these made me feel, yeah, community is the right word, but it's more than that. It, as dads, we don't talk about this enough. Mm -hmm. We don't put enough value on it, cultural emphasis. Mm -hmm. Again, there is that feeling like, oh, I could be doing more on this, but I've sacrificed to do this. And getting to see other dads who are living impactful, fulfilling lives and talking about it and sharing it, there's some power in that, man. So thank you for putting this together. No, man, absolutely. And I think that that's what we need. We need that type of support. You know, it's sort of the same with, with moms as well, but now there are way more, like I feel like women obviously talk more about things like this anyways, like naturally, yeah. you know, and and uh, I'm sure that, you know, honestly, if you and I were to catch up, you know, without this podcast and without the premise of this podcast, I mean, it would probably be about, you know, whatever, 60% work, I'm sure that we would catch up about. You know, I think it's so important, though, that we're catching up about life and what this means. And because this is such a big priority for us and such a big cornerstone, I mean, in, in all of our lives, and we do need to find more tools and resources and be able to look to our left and right and see you know, comrades, brothers in arms that are like, yes, we're, we're going through this too. It, yes. It, it really helps or, or, and I'll be more specific. It helps to be able to look to the left and to the right and see people like me. Right. I feel like I'm looking mm -hmm. in a mirror, man. Mm -hmm. I look up to you and respect what you've done in the industry, what you do in life. Same with everybody on your, on your show. I don't want to look to my left and see like a, a, a dude from the sixties still living in the, you know, <laughs> right. Right. It's <laughs> like, true. I'm it's like, true. all right, man, that might work for you, but that's not me. Like sure. I put on a suit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it really is helpful to see yourself in the community. And so let me, let me just brag on my daughter for one quick second. Like Please. I talk about, I really talk about balancing work and family, but she is my number one slash number two cheerleader. My wife and daughter show up to every one of my talks. Mm. They're, they're rooting for me all the time. 
there is no way that I could do what I do without their love and support. Love that. Yeah, it goes both ways. Like, I love I'm that. here for them and they're here for me. I love that, man. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit more about Nisa and and school and whatnot and peers. I mean, Nisa is 13 at the time of this recording. Um, yep. You also have Christian, who is your, yep. your stepson, uh, who's 29. Yep. That's crazy, exactly. by the way, that you have. I know nine year old son. Um, You're telling me. So they were they were all just here yesterday together, and nothing is happier than watching family be together and and those types of bonds. Nothing, nothing better, yeah. nothing better than seeing it. Yeah, man. Um, so teenage years. Yeah. Uh, raising a a girl, raising a teenage girl right now in 2022. Uh, school peers, you know, my oldest is soon to be nine. You've mm-hmm. got a little bit of a jump. Like you've seen the next you've you're in the future a little bit, man. I'm, I'm looking for some advice here. How is I this? I actually have some great going? advice. Yeah. So when I was in your shoes just a few years ago, I was dreading it. Okay. I was like, That's Oh me. no, I, I gotta have a plan. I gotta talk to some fellas. We got, <laughs> That's, me. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it was coming. And then we just had this, this end of school year barn dance birthday party for Nisa. And I was hit with an entirely different thought that was really based in excitement and love and seeing some of the little cool dudes that may or may not be a future part of her life in that kind of way. Mm. And then thinking, this is not, it does not have to be a negative thing or something that I fight or resist. This is additive to my family. Right. And I'm going to riff on this for a second, right? There is something so powerful about youth and vitality. And when I think about my childhood, when you think about yours, when your listeners think about theirs, I don't want to squash that or squander that in my child, mm-hmm. right? What what my real dad is a job. What my real job as a dad is is to open up every opportunity that can come her way, and this is one of those, mm. right? So, how can we do it in a way that is healthy and positive and beneficial? And if we are putting in the time to raise an empowered young woman. And if we've ensured that she's in a good place with the w- tools to make decisions, then I'm actually kind of excited about what can come from that. And I can talk about school and I can even kind of talk about this idea that we're toying with. Hold on, my cat wants to come in. He's not here. <laughs> come on in, join the party. It's not the cat. It's Nisa making an appearance. Oh, nice. Nisa, can I introduce you to Hoppa? No, it's not live. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, she got shy. All good. So, um, another reason we moved out here, and again, I, I really was fighting it, right? But we ended up going to a wedding out outside of Boston, and we stopped. My wife and niece were already out here. They met me at the airport. 
We stopped at Harvard at the Center of Astrophysics to hear Avi Loeb talk about his light sail project. Now, this is the guy mm. who who just recently published his book on the comet. And he he has a plan to take photographs and video of planets orbiting other stars that will happen in our kids' lifetime. Okay. Mm. So I'm sitting here and we're at Harvard and I'm thinking if the worst decision I actually make is to move out here where this is a daily part of my daughter's reality. And these are the types of things that she's exposed to and that she has access to. Then that's not really such a bad decision, right? Because <laughs> again, it goes back to this enabling right. and, and opening, right? And so part of that decision is also if we do want to fully support everything that's possible, then boarding school should be on the table. Now, as a parent, as a selfish parent, I want every single minute that I can have with my daughter until she's 18. In fact, I joke, I'm going to apply to the same college that she will. I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to pay off the uh, <laughs> admissions office and the placement agency, and I'm going to be her new roommate. Like, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to miss a minute, right? right? Right. And at the same time, something that my wife and I talk about, like, what are the pros and cons of boarding school? And thinking about a kid getting surrounded by their peer group and their set, getting to go through these shared experiences together. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. And I don't even know if I answered what you asked me, but I think I did because it's, it's not as scary as it needs to be when you look at it and think about it from a really different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's like most things, right? I mean, it's all about the perspective. It's all about how you choose to receive this. And, mm -hmm. and I also do feel that again, getting back to culture and not pa painting culture out to be this, you know, bad guy, but you know, I think it's, culturally acceptable for me as a father or for a father out there to be like, you know, fearful of raising a teenage daughter and all of the things that would go wrong as yeah. a teenage daughter would and, you know, dating and all of those things. Right. And, um, my wife actually does remind me of this even now. And even when they were much younger, uh, my wife, you know, our little one who's, uh, well, now I have three, so not my little one, but the middle one, uh, my younger daughter, Irie, she, she must have been like th in preschool. She was like three or four years old, and she came home, and she was like, I've got a boyfriend. And, and my wife was like, do not, like, do not react the way that you, <laughs> that you think you should react right now. Because you're going every reaction that you have right now, you are going to shape the way that she comes to you for this. If she feels like you're just going to shut this down, she's not going to come to you. And right. you need her to come to you. Like we need her to come to you about these yeah. things. So fix your face. <laughs> fix your face right now. <laughs> you know, and it's, it is, it's one of those things where we've, We've got to really fight against that. And we've got to, again, going back to the whole thing of having brothers in arms and being able to say, yeah. nope, it's okay. It's okay to accept this. It's okay to see this. But like, you know, find a different perspective here. Find a way 
to get your head around this because it's, you know, it's easy, Mike. It's easy. It's easy to react that way. That's the easier way to go. It's like, can we challenge ourselves as men, as fathers to not take the easy route? to try to get down to that level, to try to communicate with our kids on a deeper level, to try to to teach, to coach, to be more involved in the process as opposed to just shutting it down. Nope, you're not gonna date until you're out of my house. Nope, you're not gonna have a boyfriend until you're 18. You know, like, it's easier to do that. Yeah, w- w- easier said than done, man. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not there, I'm just sneaking up on the idea of trying it on for size. And then I think about it in a bigger picture, right. like Paula's dad, he might be one of the coolest people on this planet. If he wasn't my father-in-law, he would be one of my best friends. The fact that he gets to be my father-in-law, like how cool is that? Right. But then I flip that around for a second. I think right. I might not be such a bad son-in-law myself. Like, <laughs> like it, it kind of balances. And, and again, there's no way that Paolo would end up with a dude like me if I wasn't lucky enough for her to have a dad like she had. Mm, right? Wow. The way that she imprinted from her dad yep. made a dude like me part of her worldview, mm. which made me so part of this. And I, I don't want to take this into the esoteric, but the older I get, and we're planning a, a bat mitzvah for Nisa right now, and it really makes me think about time and space and family. And, I don't think I'm wrong on this, but I think time flows backward. Mm. I think that Nisa brought us together mm. and that we brought our parents. And yeah, I, I, I don't want to go off a deep yeah. end, but there, there's something to that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a follow-up conversation that we're going to yeah. have because <laughs> I, I, I'm getting so many ideas. Like things are pinging because I, I agree. I mean, time is, um, time is relative as well. And it's this, it's not time in the way that we see it like we see time in this linear fashion and we see it from beginning to end we don't even see the end we see it from moment to moment the way that we live life um and obviously there are other ways and other perspectives to be able to see that i do have to ask you this though when you wrote this down in our sort of intake form here um you wrote down a waldorf education and i would love for you to expand a little bit on that yeah, yeah. Happy to talk through this one, right? And so now it, before I get into this, it's worth saying that this is my first time around the track. This is my wife's second. And so she has a whole different perspective and insight. And our son Christian went through the Waldorf uh, schooling first, first. And so it was, I was exposed to it tangentially, didn't really know anything about it. And I, I'm probably the world's worst spokesperson on this, but the, the way that I see it, and this is a, a school system that's all over the world. Montessori is much, has much better PR. Waldorf is, is much, mm. let's make maybe one or two steps off the fringe of it. Okay. But what I take from the schooling, the philosophy and the community is that along with fostering creativity and um, problem solving and collaboration, they really focus on developing the whole child. Mm. Okay. Right? And in a small sense, it is a bit of an intentional community, or let's call it a self-selecting community, the parents who gravitate towards this. And from a, again, from a 
very business-minded executive's dad. It feels a little wooly to me, but the proof is in the pudding. Like mm. I look around and I see some actualized humans and then from my background in entertainment, when they put on their shows, cause they really dive into public speaking, performance, art. And again, not for the sake of developing those skills, but in the bigger skill set of what it takes to be a human in this world where we'll all be replaced by robots and AI, like what <laughs> skills really matter and are yeah. relevant. Right, right. I look and watch these kids put on performances that rival what I do in my daily. Wow. And and it makes me it makes me in awe, right? Mm -hmm. Like the confidence that these kids have and the way that they present and running lights and sound and stage work and the way that they approach the educational process. Uh, I, and I am a hard jaded dude who grew up in Vegas and I am a hundred percent sold. I'll wow. do it kicking and screaming a little, Yeah, but I, as a business minded dad, I recommend any one of your listeners to take a look and to drop in and try it Interesting. And know that as you're trying it, you will face a lot of resistance because it is exactly opposite of how you grew up and what you did for school. That's crazy. So can you give like an example of what might be, what might feel like it's opposite? Because yes, I mean, like I grew up in the public school system in, in San Francisco, you know, yep. and um, and I think there's a lot of people, you know, obviously that that was their experience. And this sounds like this is, to your point, like completely different. So what would be like a, an example that you've seen? Uh, the, the, the easiest one to get to is textbooks, as in they don't have them, right? They oh, are wow. the main lesson blocks and they create their own books as they're going through it. And also rather than doing, here's where I'm going to butcher this a little bit, I think, but rather than doing a year long program of science, they intersperse science blocks a few every year. And so at the end, it all works out to be equal to the public school. Mm. But if you stop sooner or you question it, it feels like it's just the pieces are stacking in different ways. And the reason they do that is they try to stack where the child is developmentally. Ah, and okay. so, uh, for Nisa, she just went through like the Olympic games or the, right. And this is as they're coming into their own at this age, competition matters more individualization matters more. Right. And so they really try to stack these, these developmental sequences of meeting the child where they are. The, the other thing, and we're past this now, but not only do you have the same teacher throughout your first through eighth, the teacher goes with you, the class goes with oh, you. It's really about wow. It's really about continuity and rhythm. But in the earlier grades, they're not pushing the reading skills in the same way that they are in public school because they're not testing to the same core curriculum that they are in the public schools. Again, it doesn't mean that they don't get to it. They just try to focus on developmentally where the child's at. And a lot of that from the outside expresses as play or being in nature or outside. Right. But I will say that my daughter and her peers are incredibly resilient 
wonderful at solving problems and wonderful at collaborating. And if I think what skills actually matter to me, like, again, I default to my upbringing and, well, you should know, boom, boom, boom. But what I actually do in my life, like the skills that make me money that take care of my family is actually exactly what they're doing. And again, this goes right. back to that, that tug of war, that how things should be versus how things are. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Thanks for breaking that down. I think like this is, is definitely something that uh, may be of interest to, to people that are out there that are, you know, looking at different schools and, you know, schools are a big topic, obviously these days for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, from a dad's perspective, I think it plays more to a mom. Like it's really, you know, especially when they're little, like the kids walk in and they're, they're cooking together and there's meal times. Like it's very, very wholesome. Oh, I, I guess the most important part is, is there's a no media policy. And so there's a, there's a, there's a no media policy. Yeah. Oh, so when I say it's a lit intentional in the shared community, like it's a bit funny, right? Like, what do I do? I'm in the media and entertainment, but what your kids are exposed to at a certain age does matter. They're sponges. They take it all in. And so even if you are the strictest in your own house, when your kid goes over to your friends to spend the night, you don't know what's going on. And so there's, there's a little bit, and again, nobody follows the rule like this, but it's, it's more of, how do we, I like that. How do we, how do we not rush? How do we not rush? the kids growing up and how do we let kids stay kids and not monetize and sexualize them yeah well and especially today with all the news floating around today i mean you know i stopped watching the news it's just crazy yeah yeah man um all right so there's so much more that i could talk to you about because there's just so much here but i do want to ask you this before we uh jump and do a top three here but uh you uh, have a pretty strong stance on dad's a, a father's role in documenting family memories that I, I would do. love for Thanks you to for expand about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please expand about on that. So I love it. Like that, that's what gives me the most joy is being able to take pictures or video or store them. And in the bigger sense, to create those memories or those areas to go back to and take comfort from but the little life hack that i use it's it's the world's greatest service it's called chat books it will take all your photos off your phone you just say yes or no like do you like it or not you don't organize it It, they print in series the minute you hit 60 they just ship them to you and so we've got dias family adventures over the years and they're they're beautifully hardbound they fit the aesthetic of the house they just sit there and nieces flipping through them all the time, reliving these memories. And they don't even have to be that big. Like the food we eat, the barbecues we have, the camping trips we take. It's, it, you know, it's where do you put your priorities on those little things that matter? Like her favorite story is going off into the desert, right where you are right now, up in Joshua to watch the meteor shower. And, and she'll talk about it all the time about falling asleep under the stars, eating a hot dog. Like, boom, game over. That's all a kid needs, man. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's it. Uh, it's so good, man. And I think, you know, there is still something about having the physical, like, bound book. Like, still, yeah. you know, to this day, like, 
we, we've obviously gotten away from that because we've got, you know, everything is so digitized, which I think is also fantastic, right? Because it allows us to be able to access these photos much easier and all of that. However, Completely. it is nice to sort of have the physical as well. So I just wrote that down. Chat books? Chat books. They're phenomenal. I love them. They work across everything. I can pull them from my phone. If you're really into social, you can have your pick, pick pull from all your social posts that you do. And then not, not to shy away from the digital, I keep a Nevernote account just for Nisa for when she's older. And it's like I have like a little treasure trove of all these recordings from she when she was little or learning how to read or art projects or just memories worth holding on to that I, I, I don't like clutter. I have a really simple aesthetic, but I also don't want to lose things and I don't want to overwhelm. But later, these things have value and space and I want her to be able to stumble into them and be like, oh, oh there was somebody paying attention. That's such a great idea. I never even thought about that with Evernote. Like that would be a yeah. great use case for Evernote is to basically create a little bit of like a time capsule essentially at where you could stick all sorts of different things in there and it be as small as like a note or a letter from you to to her or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It could be a picture or something, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The little gifts that she, the little gifts that she makes me or the things from Father's Day or my birthday, like the cards, like pictures of those. And then before we jump to the big three, there's one last thing about recording and documenting. And, and I'm going to plug this, man, but the best thing that anyone can do, dads, moms, humans, is to plant trees and plant fruit trees because those are documents of a time and space and a gift for a future generation. So, the like act actual trees. Fruit. You're talking about actual yeah. fruit trees. Yeah. Real trees. The fact that I can plant trees for Nisa and for Nisa's kids or for random strangers. And I can throw a little note if I want to have fun. I can throw a little note at the bottom of the tree when we're putting it into the hole so that that tree holds that wish or holds that thought. And so that it has more relevance to Nisa. But the best way to capture memories is something that far outlasts you. And when you have a lot of fruit, you have a lot of friends. And when you think in terms and time of trees, it forces you to change your perspective on the here and now and what matters. Dang, that's like a mic drop right there. <laughs> Boom. You like that? <laughs> wow. I don't know where else we go from that. That's perfect. That's like the perfect way to end this first blow segment here, man. I appreciate you dropping all these gems. Um, I appreciate you being so open and honest about just everything and being able to really share, man. And I think, uh, I think everybody who is out there who's listening to this is getting a lot of value out of everything you said. But wait, there's more. Uh, I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back and Mike is going to break down a top three for us. So don't go anywhere. A tribe called Dad. This is the top three. It's the top three. It's the top three. This is the top three. This is the top three. We've got my man, Mike. Mike is here, man. Mike Dyer is hanging out with me on A Tribe Called Dad. We just had a great conversation about a bunch of a bunch of things. Uh, if for whatever reason you're listening to this and you missed that part of it, please make sure to go back and listen to it. A lot of great gems in there. 
But Mike, I wanted to be able to put you up for this top three, give our listeners three things that they could really take away and, and start to apply today or just get their minds, their minds going. And you have decided to put together a top three that has a theme. So I'll let you go ahead and introduce this. All right. This is the three ways to be prepared. And as a former mush head, someone who had no responsibility, who had not a care in the world, uh, when you have kids, all of a sudden you're forced, it was like Mike Tyson hitting you in the face, things got to change, man. You got you to gotta get it together and you got to have some easy buttons, some go-tos. So any little ways that can help other parents out here, I got three of them. I love it. This is going to be great. Here we go. Number one. Number one. Holiday boxes. Okay invest in some of those big Tupperwares that you throw in the attic, in the basement, in the closet, under the stairs. It doesn't matter. Okay. And first way to keep it simple, throw your Christmas stuff in one box, your Hanukkah stuff in another, your Thanksgiving in another, your, your Halloween and so on and so on. And you can even stack them according to holiday time. You pull them out, you undo the box you put all the stuff up you put the costumes around you put the menorahs out the wreaths out the candles you're done you put them away boom they go to the bottom next holiday comes up and they're out and it's a continuity it's a rhythm and every year you add more to the boxes or something breaks you throw something out but it it keeps the pace I love that I mean talk about organization too I mean I think that there's people on here I, I mean we've got a we've got a Christmas box but we need a Thanksgiving box. We need like Fourth of July box. We need other, yeah. We need other yeah. boxes. Yeah. Do it. Game changer. Game changer. Yeah, for sure. I love that. All right, here we go. Number two. Number two. The gear in your car and first aid kit. Okay. So I've got a bag, one little bag that I packed everything into, right? For that time when something goes wrong that I'm advanced planning for, I've got extra clothes. I've got. Uh, cash. I've got a phone charger, solar. I've got an axe because I live out in the middle of nowhere, right? I've got everything that I could ever possibly need in one bag that if we were stranded and had to make do for a week, I think we're okay with just that. And I'm not talking first aid like band-aids. I'm talking first aid like Israeli tourniquets, uh, burn kits, like the things that really matter. And I don't just have one of these bags. I have the exact same bag for both cars and one for the home so that we know where everything is. We never want to use any of these things. We never need to go to them, but we know that they're there just in case. Wow. That is a great one. You've just yeah. like, that's incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor here. If you're up for it, would you mind putting together a list Oh, I would me. love to. I was going to volunteer it. And this is the thing that no one's ever asked me for. This is my little secret shame. I didn't even know I liked to be prepared. Oh, no. I would I would love to have a list, like a packing list of what's in the bag. And then we can publish this and be able to share this as well for anybody else that, that's out there that wants to, um, All in. to do that. All yeah. in. That's a great idea, man. Ah, oh, so good. All right, here we go. Number three. Number three. <laughs> Fire drills and little safety exercises at home, right? Have if you if you have two stories, get the fire ladder. It, just just do little drills. We've never had to use them. We don't even do them enough. But a friend of mine, his daughter noticed that the house was on fire. They were they already had 
all their documents in a place that was easy to grab. They were talking to the insurance as the house was, you know, before the fire department was there and they had everything that they needed and everyone was safe. That's the difference, man, right there. Just take the time to run a couple little drills and just think about little bits of safety that you can, you can apply. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously our kids do that at school, you know, or like, you know, you, you hear all this stuff about like, you know, a fire drill or whatever, but like, yeah, how many of us have actually run that drill at home, you know, or, you know, obviously we, we live out here in California, earthquake, earthquake mm-hmm. drills, things like that. Yeah, you're right, man. And I think that's a huge, a huge thing that we should do and get and make it fun, right? Like get the, get fun. the family involved. This isn't make something to worry about. This is something that's never going to happen ever. Right, right, right. But, but we're going to practice this just yeah, for the sake well, of having fun today. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about this, right? Like, what do you do for work? Like what, what's what your audience, what do they do for work? They manage every single variable to pull off a show. Right. Right. Like that. How's that any different than running a family? Right. Yeah. True. You got backups. You got, you know, yeah, exactly. You've run through it in your mind. You, you've got contingency plans, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have never once had a on any of your shows because you have thought through everything and you're prepared for everything. Why not take that right home to to your, to your kids? Well, that's the irony, right? Like when you're prepared, yeah. it doesn't happen. <laughs> and then when you're not prepared, it does happen. That's, that's always the case. Anytime I've learned now, it's like, anytime I get this little, like, Hey, maybe you should bring a backup iPad. I'm like, eh. I'm like, no, bring the, bring the backup. <laughs> and then it never happens. That's it. That's you know? that. That's my top three. That's all I got. I'm glad you didn't ask for four because I only got three, man. <laughs> man, that, that was solid. All three of those were solid. It was, I mean, so good, man. So good. Um, I want to thank you once again for just being here and just for being such an awesome human being. I think uh, the insight that you shared today is incredibly helpful. A lot of like tactical stuff that people can actually apply immediately. I'm, I'm literally going to be bugging you about that list, that packing list. And I'm already starting to think about what that is because, you know, there's just so many, so many good gems that you dropped here. And it's just a pleasure seeing you. It's a pleasure getting caught up with you. I do want to remind everybody out there that um, you've got several projects. You've got why nobody likes networking. So nobody likes networking.com. That's where they can go to, to check out some of your work there. And then you've also got this what entertain what entertainers can teach executives. That's a that's a future project that's coming down the, the pipeline here. And then you are also just you know putting out a ton of content. You do a lot of stuff in the pro audio space as well. Um, we'll make sure to put all of these links where people can can find out what you're up to and what you're about. But uh, this will absolutely not be the last time that you'll be on this podcast. This is the first of probably many where I'm going to have you come on and, and give some insight, man. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's such a joy to catch up with you. And for all your audience who doesn't get to uh, hear the cicadas in the background or see where you are, you're calling in from Palm Springs on your time with your family right now, up before they are. So talk about a dad doing the grind, doing the right thing to give to the community while also taking care of his family. A giant hat tip to you, man. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And we thank everybody for tuning in today. We will see you on the next one. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than mommy. Sorry.